Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. The demolition of an historically significant building in what was Detroit's Chinatown calls to mind the rich legacy of history of the Asian American community here in Southeast Michigan. Today, we're going to explore that community and how it feels damaged by the casual erasure of places and things that define what it means to be Asian and a Detroiter. That's next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. Good day and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson. And I'm really glad you've decided to join us. So if I ask you to, to name the greatest strength we possess here in Detroit, the thing that makes us different and maybe better than lots of other communities, you really should only have one answer. And that's the rich tapestry of ethnic diversity that makes this region absolutely pop. There are people here literally from all over the world, and it's their food, their culture, their customs, and their influence that make Detroit, well, Detroit. But as beautiful as that legacy is, there are many ways in which we fail as a community over and over to stop and listen and learn from the people whose cultures make our community what it is. That is exactly how many people in Detroit's Asian American community seem to feel right now. Ignored. That's because on Saturday, 3143 Cass Avenue, a 140-year-old building that had once provided resources for Chinese immigrants, was demolished. Suddenly, rashly just taken away. The building was demolished by Illich's Olympia Development Real Estate Company, which now plans to redevelop that area as part of their District Detroit project. This raising of the building came days after the Detroit City Council asked the company to delay the building's destruction so they could talk about, they could think about, its historical significance. On Monday, a group of Asian American advocates gathered outside the demolished building to hold a press conference on the decision and to push Olympia to do something to honor and preserve the cultural significance of Chinese residents who lived and worked in that area of the city. If you're of a certain age, you remember Chinatown in that part of Detroit and how vibrant it was. It wasn't that long ago. Now, we've reached out to Olympia to invite someone from that organization onto the show and also requested a comment so they could tell us why they decided to raise the building and why they did it so quickly. At this point, we are still waiting for a response. What we do know, though, is that the company has not said what it plans to do with the site, and it certainly has not said whether it will try to make whatever rises in that space reflect and honor the legacy of what was there before. This is a problem we have in this community an awful lot. We erase things in order to bring new things in, and we don't think about what we're getting rid of or what effect that has on our community. That's where we want to begin the conversation today. What does this demolishing of this building mean to the Asian American community here? But what does it mean to us as Detroiters, as people in Southeast Michigan? Is this who we are? Is this who we want to be? Can we be better? 
to talk about what this area means to Asian Americans, what the Chinese experience has been like here in Detroit, and what should come of that area, what should be there. We've got two great guests with us, both of whom were at Monday's press conference. Ronald Huang is the president of the American Citizens for Justice, which is an Asian Pacific American civil rights advocacy organization. It was formed to bring justice to Vincent Chin and his family after he was murdered in Highland Park in the 1980s. Roland, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Steve. Also with us is Carolyn Chin, and her grandparents owned Shanghai Cafe, which was a restaurant that sat in the 3143 Cass building until it closed in 1981. Carolyn, also welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Thanks so much for having me. Carolyn, I want to start with you and have you tell us the story of how your grandfather came to Detroit and how your grandparents came to own Shanghai Cafe, which was uh, the restaurant at 3143 Cass. Sure. So my grandfather came to the United States in the 1930s, and uh, he settled in Detroit. And at that point in time, he didn't really have any other education. English was not his native language, and so getting a job was difficult. Um, So he did what he knew, which was restaurants, and so he became a chef at the Shanghai Cafe. and uh, in the 60s is when the owners, also Lim family, had sold the restaurant um, to him so that he and my grandmother were the actual owners. Um, he actually sold it to, uh, they sold it to my grandfather and they purchased the restaurant at that time specifically because um, he knew that he was passing Mm-hmm. and that the restaurant was going to be the only source of income and livelihood and viability for my grandmother, who at that time had a 9-, 10-, and 8-year-old. So um, that restaurant truly was the only way she was able to care for and um, to keep her family going, um, especially as a single woman, as an immigrant. Um, so that was a very critical piece of our family history. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I say this a lot, but that story is just one story of so many other families that grew up in that Chinatown area. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that restaurant meant a lot, and, um, and I know Roland can talk more about this, but the, um, the rest of the building was a community center and a resource center for immigrants. Um, so when, when you're an immigrant in the country, you really have to rely on people who look like you, who speak your language, who understand where you come from, mm-hmm. literally where you come from. Um, and so while we're talking about Chinese-American history, Detroit history, you said it earlier, Stephen, we're talking about immigrant history. Yeah, yeah. So so I, I want to have you talk a little more about the... The anchor, I guess, that 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 building and the community center and that part of the city provided for not just your family, but as you point out, um, for for people coming here um, from many different places in in Asia. That that idea of a community that you can rely on, that you can connect with instantly when you are a newcomer to a community and, and a country. Um, how important how important was that for your, your family and, and for your community? Well, I, I think it goes along with the immigrant story. It's um, you, especially thinking about that point in time from the 30s through, uh, through the 60s, the 70s, and 80s, race relations were, not, you know, they were, they were very, very different um, in ways. And so as, as individuals that are not white, are not black, we're, we're always othered. And so that really, really makes people come together mm. because um, for whether or not it's their choice, you know, some, sometimes you just are discriminated against. And, um, you know, they didn't fit in with, with white people. They didn't fit in with black people. 
And so they had to cling to who they knew. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what makes immigrant communities, um, specifically like Chinatowns, um, so strong is that you you aren't technically blood related. You can't be blood related to everybody, <laughs> but um, but you do have that um, that familiarity and that bond and that understanding that you care for one another. Um, so the association that was out of the three one four three building um, above the restaurant would provide all of these services. They would provide um, the space that essentially would create belonging and inclusion and care and they would have individuals who were more well established in american society that did speak english um, they would uh, provide services such as finding jobs they would help uh, sign leases and find apartments they would um, sign uh, sign as uh, the added on mortgages um, you know they would support uh, getting children into the detroit school systems and helping with English language services, all of those things that um, I think we really take for granted being American born. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just they, they are make or break for new immigrants to the country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Roland Huang, I want to bring you into the conversation here and have you talk first about your reaction to the idea of 3143 cast not being there suddenly anymore, but also uh, your reflections on that part of Detroit, what it meant to the Asian American community, and I guess what we've lost because it's really it's really not there in the same way. I'd say in one word what it is is disappointment. Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, we have to uh, thank the city council for its resolution to try to save the building and despite that, the building was demolished. Uh, it was an important, that building was an important place. Uh, it's an important place in history. Uh, as I mentioned on Monday, that Chinatown was really a significant place for people to come together. Uh, 3143 Cass was the place where American Citizens for Justice, the Asian American organization that fought for justice for Vincent Chin, got its start. That was the place where the organization got its name, American Citizens for Justice, mm-hmm. and we elected our officers, of which I continue to be one right mm-hmm. now. Uh, just across the street was Golden Dragon, and uh, that was the place where we decided we wanted to have a an Asian American Bar Association and uh, had then a state bar president uh, later on, Justice Dennis Archer, mm-hmm. you know, come and help us inaugurate the uh, Asian American Bar Association. So uh, the whole picture is that we had a thriving community and was a center for activity for the community. And I think a lot of that gets lost, especially when you don't have the visual markers, the buildings any longer to establish that, yes, there was such a richness to that neighborhood and now much of it is gone. Yeah. So let's talk about what happened to that neighborhood. So I, I am of an age when I can remember at least some of the late years of, of, that, uh, of that area being Chinatown and it being uh, a, vital, a vital community. But, of course, it became something else. Uh, talk about what happened. Why did we, why did we lose what we had there, and what were the drivers, I guess, for that? I think the people that are in the community or the entrepreneurs, the business owners, uh, just they face the uh, landscape of what's happening in the neighborhood, and you know they, they make a decision with respect to whether businesses thrive there or not, or do, do they move elsewhere? And so much of the... Uh, Asian-American businesses have moved on to Madison Heights and uh, Sterling Heights, places north, also places west. Uh, But I think that there is an opportunity for people to take a long view in terms of there is a community there still. There is a renaissance going on right now with the Detroit Chimpy Company and so many uh, businesses in there just a block away. And 
just redevelopment that's occurring in the Cass, uh, Peterborough area, that that area really deserves to have some focus in terms of its redevelopment. And so I'm actually hopeful that something can occur like a community center that helps anchor that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there are all kinds of communities that, that change over time and become something different than 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 what they were and and I guess you know the, the question is always how you preserve the memory and the legacy of what was there and we're awful about that here in Detroit I mean literally I think uh, there are many people in our community who think if you put up a, a marker uh, with a couple couple words on it that's that's good enough right uh, we don't have to do more what what would you imagine? That the Illiches might do to to correct that in this case, uh, and, and have they reached out? Have they reached out to people in the Asian American community to say, "Hey, look, we're redeveloping this area. We don't want to erase everything that was here." Well, I did get a call from uh, Olympia Development. I think it was about Thursday or so, and we talked about things, but we didn't reach any conclusion with respect to what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then the demolition happened, but. Uh, I think that there's a dialogue that can happen because I think that uh, this is really a time. Unfortunately, we have a demolished building, but it's still an opportunity to have a conversation about how we might have more attention to preservation of our landmarks and uh, make sure that certain neighborhoods don't get forgotten. Because we did preserve, like the Gem Theater, we did preserve Mariner's Church. We have the ability to preserve buildings that the community recognizes are beneficial. And I think that there just needs to be a broader examination. And I hope that the developers, Olympia and Illich, can be part of that conversation and actually maybe lead that conversation for the benefit of the neighborhood. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about the raising of 3143 Cass uh, and the often overlooked Chinese Americans who live and have lived here in the city of Detroit. Talk more about the Asian American community and its connection to that place. We want to get going with you, our listeners, on the phones and on social as well. What do you make of this sudden demolition of this building at 3143 Cass in Detroit. What has Chinatown in Detroit meant to you in the past? Do you remember Chinatown? Do you have connections to that area? Also, give us a call if you're Asian American living in Detroit or the metro region. Uh, What does this say to you about respect for your culture and the legacy of your culture here in our community. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET brings you news about your neighborhood. WDET plays music from the Motor City. WDET amplifies the voices in our community. WDET is your public radio station. This is Detroit Today on 1019. WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you decided to join us. We're talking about the demolition over the weekend of 3143 Cass, uh, a place that used to be an important uh, part of Chinatown here in Detroit. It was the home of Shanghai Cafe and also an important community center in the Asian American community. Uh, We're talking about what it means when we wipe away the things that have cultural and historical significance to us here in Southeast Michigan uh, and how we do better at respecting legacy and history. How do we make sure that we don't wipe away 
what was someplace in order to create something new. We've got two really great guests with us uh, for that conversation. Carolyn Chin, her grandparents owned Shanghai Cafe, which was the restaurant in 3143 Cass. Also with us is uh, Roland Huang. He is uh, president of American Citizens for Justice, an Asian Pacific American civil rights advocacy organization, which advocated for justice for Vincent Chin and his family after he was murdered in Highland Park in the 1980s. We want to hear from you as well on the phones and on social. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can work you into the conversation that way. Before we get to listeners, I do want to talk a little more about the death of Vincent Chin and how that changed the dynamic here in Detroit and Southeast Michigan uh, for the Asian American community. It was uh, not just a tragedy, uh, but but an inflection point uh, from a community standpoint that I think um, those of us who were around can remember very clearly. But of course, there are lots of people who weren't even born uh, in in 1982 when Vincent Chin was killed. Uh, Carolyn, your dad was best friends with Vincent Chin. And so I would love to have you talk about that event, uh, how that tragedy affected your family, but also what it meant in the Asian American community uh, that that happened. Of course. So when we have, when communities have hate crimes, such as the murder of an individual, an, an unjust murder, and then you don't see any type of justice served, that is a, of course, it's a direct trauma to that family. It's a direct trauma to the community, the friends, the people who loved that individual. But it's also a trauma for the entire um, population that looks like that person. Because for us, we Asian people, Chinese people, especially our older generation, we don't talk a lot about our feelings. We don't talk, we don't, you know, we don't do that touchy-feely stuff. And so when Vincent Chin was murdered and we didn't receive any justice, that was such a pain that I think it truly, you know, earlier you had asked about the, um, the breakdown of Chinatown. Why did Chinatown leave? I think that had a really, really big piece of it because you had experienced such a slight that we had, we had nothing we could do about it, right? People were just in pain. And so while that happened, at the same time, that very close-knit Chinatown community had moved, really moved out of the area due to rising crime rates. Um, and so while they were physically distanced, they were also emotionally distanced. And then you have that crime on top of it, and it just really, truly wrecked that entire community um, and I think that we oftentimes will overlook and gloss over the long-term impact and the generational impact of how these crimes happen. And, and um, so just for one example, my father, he, being as close as he was with Vincent, never recovered from it. Um, and that, of course, in turn, it, it's responsive in the way that one can be a parent, right? And so you see that across um, BIPOC communities all the time, but it just isn't, it's never recognized as an actual issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Roland, uh, your organization started uh, as a result of the murder of Vincent Chen. Uh, talk about how the community changed because of that. And, and really in the lead up to that, I mean, the, the, Detroit was changing. Uh, as Carolyn points out, there was a, a lot more uh, danger that some people felt uh, being here. Um, we see that often with immigrant communities, that uh, they start out in Detroit and then they move uh, to other places. Uh, but, but talk about that, that uh, murder and how that played into the, the transition, really, of, uh, of Chinatown. What I want to talk about is the fact that the community at the time was sort of split into subgroups mm -hmm. in terms of the restaurant owners, the merchants, mm -hmm. 
and then the engineers and scientists and white collar individuals who, you know, went about their lives quite often in different ways in different places, but they came together quite often in Chinatown to do their grocery shopping, their, you know, uh, their their shopping that they, uh, you know, wanted to carry on, you know, to the extent that they needed the ingredients for, uh, you know, cooking at home, that sort of thing. Uh, the Vincent Chin case fostered a coming together of all the disparate groups within the Chinese American community and the Asian American community to the extent that we came together and we saw a common threat in terms of violence against one of us, which could have happened to any of us if we looked Asian or looked Japanese uh, in light of the, I guess, the uh, uh, demise at the time of the American auto industry with the greater uh, number of imports. Uh, That, we thought, was a common threat that all of us faced. And so that was sort of a bonding occurrence in the community to fight for justice for Vincent Chin because we thought that, you know, the whole community was slighted by by this violence against Vincent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and the hashtag Detroit Today and... Uh, we can work you into the conversation that way. Let's start today with Michael in Midtown. Michael, what's on your mind? Good morning. Thank you. Uh, and hello to your guests. I was at the uh, the rally on Monday morning as well, um, which was wonderful, but way too polite. The only way that Illich and Olympia development, and when I say development, I'm putting up air quotes because they've actually all they've developed are parking lots. Uh, we need to hold them accountable. The only way that we're going to be able to save landmarks like this is to, you know, get the message through to them one way or the other financially that if they don't do it, they're going to they're gonna not get benefits, they're going to not get subsidies, whatever that takes. The only reason the Eddystone Apartments was actually completed was because the city threatened to claw back subsidies. So they need to be actually held accountable. They need to be fined for the buildings that uh, they're letting be neglected, demolished by neglect, which is actually in the city code um, right now. Otherwise, this pattern is going to continue, and you'll see it. They'll bulldoze their way through the entire neighborhood if they can. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, Michael, I really appreciate the call and that perspective. No question, uh, there are a lot of issues with property ownership and property maintenance, uh, with with the Illich organization, which of course is a uh, has a very big footprint here in the city, uh, does a lot of development, but uh, is not always thinking about uh, the community and the communities that are affected by what they're what they're doing. Uh, the sitting on uh, properties, uh, letting them deteriorate, is is one of uh, the bad actor traits that uh, that that organization. Uh, is now pretty well known for. Uh, let's go to Francine in Detroit. Francine, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Thank you for having me, and hi to everyone. Um, I moved here. I'm the daughter of two Chinese immigrants. I moved to Detroit from New York in 2020, um, and I'm raising my daughter here now in the city. So mm-hmm. um, it's always been very important for me to try to connect with the Asian community here in the city. And, you know, the the demolition of the building was so disappointing to me because it made me really question, you know, whether we have... Uh, or will have, again, a strong Asian community here. But, you know, at the same time, there's been so much media coverage over this uh, that it does give me some hope that, you know, maybe it'll bring the much-needed attention we need to Chinatown and to the Peterborough area, and we can see some, you know, development and preservation of, you know, history here in, in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Francine, really appreciate the call and that uh, and that perspective. Uh, I love that we are getting people who are part of the community uh, to come out and and talk about how they feel about this and how this affects uh, their relationship to to our community. Uh, I'm going to go to Robert in Detroit next. Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, Hi, Stephen and Gus. Um, Thank you for taking my call. Uh And I'm sorry I have to take a little bit of a dissenting opinion here, but, um, you know, Detroit is one of those places where 
everyone wants to claim Detroit until it's time to claim Detroit. Kind of like that Chris Rock joke. Everyone <laughs> wants to be black until it's time to be black, right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm absolutely for cultural preservation and historic landmarks and all those things. But I really kind of find that after the fact, interest a little disingenuous. You know, if you're present and if you're investing, these types of things are less likely to happen. Mm-hmm. And I just would really love for it to not be people commenting from a couch or a beach in California wearing a Red Wings jersey saying, oh, now I'm so upset. You know, I absolutely believe the building should have been preserved, even though we've lost two-thirds of our population and we should really be thinking about our future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important for communities to be present in order for claim that re- in order to claim that representation. And that's my comment. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, uh, Robert, I really appreciate the call and that perspective. Uh, Roland, uh, talk more about why Chinatown um, uh, transitioned away from what it was. I mean, I think what one of the things that Mike is getting to is, or that Robert is getting to, is that um, this was an area that was left behind in some ways. And uh, that's why it was in the, the condition it was when the Illiches made the decision that they did, that building. Um, uh, how do we balance that with... Again, I think the, the the really pressing need to make sure that we don't just erase what was there. It did decline. It did uh, move to other spaces, but it was still it was still there. I think it calls into question the uh, prioritization that uh, historical preservation deserves, and I don't think that enough is paid attention to the significance of preserving these buildings as anchors for the surrounding community. And I think that that's something that we need to concentrate on because other than that, otherwise it's just going to be leveling what's there Mm -hmm. and rebuilding, uh, you know, uh, cookie cutter buildings. And uh, it's not going to look anything like what was there and you lose that tie to the uh, historical significance of, of the neighborhood when you do that. I mean, uh, one of the things that's really distressing about all of this, I think, is uh, the radio silence from the Illiches about what they would do with this space. I mean, they, look, they own it and they have development rights to, to do whatever it is that they uh, plan to do there. But why not come out and say hey, we recognize that this was an important place for the Asian-American community, and we want to talk with them about ways to, to make sure that that's uh, reflected. I mean, I think they could buy themselves an awful lot of, of leeway by just coming out and saying, or maybe picking up the phone and calling Roland Huang. <laughs> uh, Carolyn, uh, uh, I, I want to have you talk a little more about that building. Uh, your, your, your grandparents owned that uh, that restaurant and were a big part of that building. What was it like for you over the years to see that building become what it was when it was demolished over the weekend? It was a place that uh, barely had a roof. Uh, there were trees growing out of it. I mean, it was like so many other places in Detroit that have been left behind uh, and abandoned. Uh, does that change for you, the connection to that place? Do you feel like that changes the connection that the community has to it? So for me, it's less about the physical building. More so for me, it's about the what the building's intent was, mm-hmm. what happened in the building, what that building meant for a community of people who needed it so badly at that time. Um, no doubt that building uh, had seen better days, and I am, um, you know, I understand that it was dangerous, um, not to code at all. So. Did something need to happen to the building? Absolutely. Um, I'm more so concerned about making sure that that space, whatever is in that space, retains its original intent and serves the community that lives there today. Mm. Um, So in in a very large sense, not even specifically serving Asian Americans, because by numbers, there aren't that many of us here. But the, I think our issue is really making sure that we 
retain and preserve the historic nature so that that space can continue to um, act in the way that it originally did and also be a space that, um, you know, we can take our children to learn about the, our roots and how, and how we got to be where we are. Um, I think that education piece is just so critical in keeping our stories um, alive. Okay. Uh, Carolyn Chin and Roland Huang, it was really great to have both of you here with us on Detroit Today to talk about uh, Chinatown and the Asian American community and its relationship to us here in Southeast Michigan. Thanks to both of you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. When we come back, we are going to continue the conversation about the importance of the Asian American experience in Detroit and Michigan. We're going to be joined by State Senator Stephanie Chang and an American history teacher in Canton. We'll also continue to hear from you on the phones and on social. 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad that you have decided to join us. We've been talking about the sudden demolition of 3143 Cass and the significance of the Chinese community that once surrounded that address here in Detroit. Now, we want to expand the conversation to discuss history, and how we go about learning from and preserving cultural experiences from an array of different communities. We can start, I think, with the idea that hastily done demolitions of buildings that have stood for a really long time always should raise red flags in our minds. What was the rush to demolish 3143 after it had sat there for so long, after it had been uh, in pretty bad shape for such a long time. Also, why aren't we talking more? Why aren't we hearing more from the Illich organization about its role in now wiping away part of what was there and what plans they have to make sure that it's reflected in the future, that it's not just erased? We want to talk about how we teach Asian American stories and how we can honor Asian American cultural experiences in around Michigan so that this kind of thing doesn't continue to happen. And to talk about it, we've got two great guests with us. State Senator Stephanie Chang is a Democrat who represents Michigan's third state Senate district, which includes part of Detroit and some of the northern suburbs. Uh, Stephanie, welcome back to Detroit Today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Also with us is Richard Mui. He is a history and civics teacher at Canton High School. Uh, Richard, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thank you for having me on. So Richard, you grew up in Ferndale, and you are a second-generation Chinese-American. Uh, let's talk a little about Chinatown in Detroit and your memories of it. Well, I mean, to, uh, to be frank, I, I was pretty young when that Chinatown was around, and you know, from what I understand, the uh, the role that Chinatown played, I mean, there, there was a, originally a first Chinatown that was a couple miles away, but that mm -hmm. was demolished to build a large freeway. And then we got the second Chinatown. Um, and just understanding the role of it is, uh, so the Chinese Merchants Association that operated out of that building, um, it was a hub for, you know, the Chinese uh, immigrants that came here. And so people like my father uh, didn't speak English, had a limited number of skills. Um, they really helped him, I think, settle, you know, helped him find a job, helped him get a place to live, get a car, uh, so that he was able to raise his family. Um, I do have some early memories of uh, festivals down there, but uh, I was pretty young, so th those themselves are limited. Yeah. So you're a history teacher now. Uh, how do you go about teaching American history, and how do you work to make sure that Asian American history is included uh, in the telling of the stories of our history? Well, honestly, I mean, I think the the proper way to think about it is that Asian American history is American history. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
And so the the approach to that is really just weaving in those threads um, that fit in the historical narrative. And so if I could give an example, in the late 1800s on the East Coast, when we had an influx of Southern Eastern Europeans, you know, there was a rise of xenophobia and, you know, the American Protective Association and the Immigration Restriction League started popping up. And, you know, eventually that culminates in the 1924 National Origins Act that limits, restricts immigration, in particular from Southern Eastern Europe. And there's almost, a, you know, a parallel case going on the West Coast with, with Chinese. And so there's anti-Chinese sentiment that will culminate in the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act. And so I think those are really the same themes, again, um, happening at different places. And so I don't think we need to kind of separate it out. It really is the same same thing going on. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that is a, a common thread through many different communities, right? We always say that mm-hmm. African-American history is American history. Uh, yeah. Latinx uh, history is uh, American history. The, the way we teach it, though, often – I think in schools doesn't really reflect that. Is that something that that you find in your work that you have to to press to make sure that's true? Um, yeah, unfortunately, you know. So the textbook, if you go solely by the textbook, it, it doesn't often include the other histories. Um, but it's really to the detriment of the students at that point. And you know, I think as a teacher that we need to be responsible for and aware of the the you know who's who's missing from the story so that the students do get a fuller understanding of it and that hopefully would help us address some of the issues that we have today with you know racism and the xenophobia that's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senator Chang, I want to bring you into the conversation here. Uh, people all over the country are working to uh, morph history, in fact, to only tell it through a particular lens. In fact, I, I feel like we're seeing that uh, even more today than we have in the the, the, the most recent time in uh, our history. Um, how have Michigan legislators been working to try to make sure that many different stories get told when we tell stories from history, especially in schools? Yeah, well, thanks for the question. And, you know, I'll just actually start with the fact that I was talking with a couple of Florida legislators a week and a half ago, you know, in the days following, uh, you know, ridiculous, you know, decisions coming out of that state with regard to how, uh, you know, the Department of Education is suggesting that slavery be taught. And I think that, you know, I was just really expressing, you know, whatever we can do for Michigan, let us know. And in Michigan, I think it's really clear that, you know, we need to move in the complete opposite direction of what Florida is doing and really actually make sure that we are teaching uh, the full history, accurate history um, of communities of color, including the Asian American community, and really build off of local knowledge. Uh, You know, one of the things that I really love is that, you know, I know bits and pieces of Detroit's Chinatown history, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm learning more and more. um, And there's so many people who have strong connections to Detroit's Chinatown um, and that we can continue to learn from folks who are still around. We've got to document those stories. And those are things that, you know, Detroit kids should be learning and Asian American kids should be learning in school. Um, and again, it's, it's as uh, Richard mentioned, it's really uh, for the betterment of everyone, because I think that we, when we learn each other's history, when we actually learn about both the struggles and the triumphs, of communities of color in Michigan and Detroit and this country, um, we we there's just so, so much more of a better understanding in terms of where communities are coming from, mm-hmm. and I think that that is uh, better for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven. 1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can try to make you part of the program that way. Let's go to Alice in Detroit. Alice, welcome to the show. Hi, I hope I'm online. Yes, you are. Uh, My name is Alice, and we had a restaurant for over 23 years. My parents belonged to the Chinese Merchant Association, and I have great memories of that place. We had Dinners, New Year's dinners, Chinese New Year's dinners, 11-course Chinese meals there. They happened each year for Chinese New Year's. I went to Chinese school to learn to read and write there Hmm. when I was 13. Um, That lasted for almost two years, but uh, I couldn't take up much. Um, I am first generation. I have memories of going to Chinese operas there. They brought these opera scenes from Hong Kong. 
the team would play music and sing traditional operas that lasted three days. Um, you'd buy one ticket and sit on these um, metal chairs and watch them. One year, they did not have that show there because there was some construction. And we used the school across the street where the Detroit Cinema was playing their um, shows in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, we used their stage, and we saw these Chinese operas for three days in a row. Mm. I was trying to suggest that if there's any way we can maintain that cha- um, that school and bring back some Chinese history through mm. that school yeah. and label it as a, a historic place, that's a possibility. Um, I have memories of going downtown, and my mother would play mahjong every Sunday um, and Tuesday. <laughs> um, there was Chinese restaurants there. I had friends that lived there. Even though we were from suburbs, we maintained being members of the Chinese Merchant Association. My dad would vote. It was really political, you know, and that just kept other restaurants from being within one mile of your own. Yeah, yeah. Um, It was a big organization, and I'm really excited to hear that somebody's interested. Alice, I'm I'm really glad you called uh, those memories are an important part of what we're trying to have a discussion about today, but also that that we want to make sure there's a bigger discussion about how to preserve them. Uh, Thanks very much for the call. Uh, Senator Chang, uh, what should be done to honor Chinese-American culture in this area of Detroit that was Chinatown, the place uh, where 3143 Cass was was in the middle of a much bigger community. Alice's memories of of that place are, I think, at the center of of what that legacy means in that community. What what, what should we be talking about? Yeah, it's a really good question. And um, Alice, um, you know, would love to connect with you. So please definitely reach out to my office because we'd love to loop you into you know this broader conversation. Um, and. You know, Stephen, actually, this is a good question that I think that it's going to take a little bit of time for us all to come together and figure out what is it that uh, descendants of Detroit's Chinatown, you know, Asian Americans who currently live in Detroit, what is it that we want to see there? Um, and there's a lot of great ideas, you know, from the press conference yesterday and just conversations over the past five or so days. Um, you know, is it some type of outdoor art exhibit? Is it a historical marker? Hopefully more than that. Is it a community center? Is there something we can do with local Asian American artists? Is there something where we can document the history and put up? I don't know. There's so many possibilities, right? Um, But it seems really clear that the common themes are, you know, I think there's a lot of interest in art. There's a lot of interest in let's document the history and make sure that it is somehow embedded in uh, whatever happens there at that property. Um, and, you know, I just really think that this is a moment in time where the city and Olympia actually do have an opportunity to work with the Asian American community, with descendants from Detroit Chinatown to, um, you know, come up with, come up with something really amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and at the same time, I think it's a really uh, good time for Asian Americans um, and all of our allies and communities of color in general to really think about the question that you posed earlier, you know, what is the direction that we want to move in in terms of teaching history? And so, you know, I'm going to continue working with my colleagues, Erica Geis, Ranjeev Puri, and others, and uh, working on legislation uh, to ensure that we're moving towards teaching uh, all of our diverse histories in Michigan and um, maybe some of the the money that we secured in the budget um, to help with this effort. Uh, maybe we can, you know, find some creative ways to uh, ensure that, you know, um, that again, we're teaching diverse histories and, and that we're really focusing in on really localized histories like this, where mm-hmm. if we don't preserve it now, um, we're going to lose. We're going to lose some of these important stories, these photos. We've got to really make sure that we're taking a moment right now to capture all of that and uh, and make sure that we preserve it for years to come. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard, uh, quickly, I've, I've only got about a minute and a half left. I, I want to know h- how you weave some of the the local legacy and story pr- preservation into uh, 
lessons about American history. Is that is that is that possible? It seems like it would be an, a powerful way to get so. people. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I think it's certainly possible because uh, uh, you know a lot of the trends that have happened with the Asian American community since, in particular, 1965 uh, mirrors what's happened here in Detroit. And so, you know, while the Chinatown might not have survived uh, physically, in, you know, in the city, um, just in the metro area, it, we've seen the growth of the Asian American population. So, where you know it's predominantly Chinese, I think earlier, uh, we've seen the growth of South Asian communities, Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshis, you know, uh, Koreans, um, and Vietnamese, and you know, there's a there's a significant Hmong population as well in the metro Detroit area. Mm-hmm. So again, I think that mirrors what's going on um, nationwide, but also here in Detroit. And so we can kind of bring that story home and and come to understand like how we got to be where we are and where we're headed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, State Senator Stephanie Chang, it's always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you. Yeah. And Richard Mui, uh, great to have you as well. And good luck with the upcoming school year there at uh, Canton High School. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay, uh, that is going to do it for us today. Tune in tomorrow. We're going to talk about the Afro Afro Future Freedom Fest, what Afrofuturism is, and what that philosophy has meant for us here in the city of Detroit. Also, remember if you like this show and get a lot out of it, you should be sharing it, sharing it with your friends and your relatives, your neighbors, anyone you think would be a welcome part of the community that we are building here. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.